Hello, everyone. Welcome along to the Event Industry News podcast. My name is James Dixon, wishing you all a very good morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever or wherever you are tuning into today's podcast from. The podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Engage, powered by D2i Systems, winner of Best Event Management Platform at the 2017 Event Technology Awards. To learn how Engage can make your business more profitable, visit d2isystems.com forward slash engage. Uh, so, welcome along to today's episode, and welcome along to our guest today, Rob Murdoch. Rob, uh, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, James. Uh, Rob is the founder of Exposure Analytics, um, and a person that I know professionally and have done for a few years now. We've worked on a few uh, different events together, um, and Rob is going to be talking to us today about a subject um, related to analytics, but more importantly, to, to how we track and, and identify I suppose, how many people have been in and out of a particular event. Um, I'll throw it over to you now, Rob. Tell us about Exposure Analytics as a company and fundamentally what it offers people. Okay, Exposure Analytics now is four years old. Uh, we've been going quite a while. We've done over a thousand events. And what we do, we work with brands and agency and help them measure the success of their events via footfall, dwell time, engagement, passing, conversion ratios. And it's, um, it's been a really successful business that we've set up. And I've always been in technology businesses. It's really exciting what we do here and how we work with brands. When we talk about dwell times, footfall, etc., are we talking about, I'm going to use a term here and it could be wildly wrong, like geolocation, actually utilizing and finding out where people are within any given space? In a sense, yes. Um, we use a number of sensors. So we have these 4G sensors which um, operate battery packs from 4G, or we have smaller ones that work on um, exhibition stands for POE. And we can um, emo we pick up a mobile device, and it's, if it's pinging for a Wi-Fi signal, we can listen to that, we hear it, and we can associate that to uh, a visitor. It's all anonymous, so we don't know who that person is. So for GDPR, everything like that, we're covered on that. So we went through it very strictly with our lawyers, and we're all covered. So mm. it's, it's about picking up that individual um, cell signal, um, Wi-Fi signal from the device, and then we can see how they move along and how long they stay on the stand. So uh, I suppose that the first thing to clarify is, is that let's say this was deployed at um, an exhibition, for example, your Commodore Garden trade exhibition. Um, the users or the people that you are tracking for want of a better description don't necessarily have to be connected to the house Wi-Fi network. They could just have their own 4G connection with their own network provider and your system is still picking up and picking up those pings and the device is searching for a network. Yes, as long as they have Wi-Fi enabled on their device. And in our experience, it's between 60 and 80% of people have Wi-Fi enabled on their device and we can pick that up. So when we're creating an event, we set what we call a coefficient so mm -hmm. that we can show the 100% figure to our, to our customers so they get a true picture of what it would be if everyone had Wi-Fi enabled. So out of any number of given visitors, if they know, for, for example, that there have been 10,000 people through the door, you, you can pretty accurately tell them how many people actually were able to connect to your system in order to generate data. Yes, we can. So you take Eventech Live, for example, we did the uh, footfall analytics there, and I think we were 10 people out. Okay, the so, number of people through the doors. 
So pretty much it's, it's, it's a given nowadays, isn't it? Just a, a fact of life. Most, most people will have Wi-Fi enabled on their mobile phone, even if they're connected to their, to their native network and their network provider. Chances are Wi-Fi will be turned on. Whether or not they've connected to the network or not doesn't make a difference in this scenario. It doesn't make a difference to, to us at all. So we don't need any apps. They don't have to download anything. It's literally very, it's just passive. They walk into an event and as long as Wi-Fi is enabled, we see that device. And when we pick up, it's based on MAC addresses, but what we do when we collect that MAC address on the sensor, we hash it, we salt it, we truncate it, so we can't go back and find out who that individual is. So that's where we get ourselves covered on GDPR. So, so completely anonymous. Now, yep. uh, for those of you who are listening to the audio-only version of this, this podcast, um, if you hop over to eventindustrynews.com and watch the video version uh, of the podcast with Rob, you'll have seen him hold up a couple of, of transmitters, which were very sort of small um, boxes with an aerial um, that, that comes out of it. looks very, very, very much as you would imagine um, some sort of, a, of transmitter to look like. How many of these would you need deployed in, in, in a standard sort of event space and, and how many are needed to make it work in an accurate level? It depends on the size of the event. So um, it, it's hard to say. It, it depends what the brand wants to measure. So if they've got lots of touch points on their stand, we may put 12 to 20 uh, mm -hmm. sensors on those stands. Um, when we've done Goodwood Festival of Speed, we've put out some like 70 sensors. Um, when we've done, we did an event at Olympia just recently, um, and that was 21 sensors, and that was in the Grand Hall, covering the whole, the whole of the space there. So it depends on the environment and the amount of stands and what they actually want to measure. If it's an individual stand, for example, we do a lot of car brands um, at motor shows, so on average we're probably putting about 14 sensors on car, st on car stands there. And... and Again, presumably just to, to build up the picture for me, which in turn hopefully will, will build it up to our, our, our podcast listeners. Um, by deploying these sensors, and if you have multiple sensors in, in any given location or in any, any particular venue, you talked about dwell times at the, at the start of the show as one of the, one of the things that the system can do. So we're talking about actually being able to see how long somebody has been in a, in a particular part of a venue, or if you've got multiple beacons located around a particular stand, you can see which part of a stand maybe that they've engaged with for what period of time. Yes, that's correct. And we also give them a conversion ratio. So we say how many people walk past and how many people uh, actually came into the space that engaged with that area. We right. therefore give them a conversion ratio. So they can see the brands, the agencies, um, the standholders can see what was the most uh, successful part of the stand. Did people go to area A or area B, or area C? Which, and if they didn't go to area D, do we drop that for the next time we do the stand? Mm. So it's very informative. Sorry, Jay. No, I was, I was going to say, how, how close do people actually have to be? Because is, is there a possibility, uh, uh, is there a negative argument where people have said to you, well, hold on, what if people are just passing by a particular one of these um, beacons or aerials and, and it picks up their device? They've not necessarily engaged with that particular area, but they've been picked up. How, how close do they have to be for it to work? So we, we, set, we, we have a calibrator app, which um, our customers now self-install the, these sensors and use our, our calibrator app, which they download from, the, um, from our website and you set the engaged area. So it might be a meter away from the, uh, the sensor, it might be two meters away. But mm -hmm. to be clusters engaged, you need to be within the area for a certain amount of time. So therefore, if somebody does walk past through the engaged area, they're not clusters engaged, they're classed as a passing visitor and somebody that you could have converted onto your stand and onto that area. So anybody who is transient within a particular space is not going to be logged as, uh, uh, and so you, you're going to keep the data nice and clean. Yes, very true. 
Now, I, I suppose having identified all of that and gone through it step by step, we've built up a picture now of, of, of what the system can, can do and, and what it can track. So it can track how many people have physically come to any particular area. It can, it, it can also then identify how long they've stayed in that particular area. Um, when it spits that data out at the other end, how are your clients uh, using that data and how difficult has it been to really, I suppose, put the simplicity of this system to them? Because to me, this sounds like quite a simple setup and a simple solution to a, to a simple problem. So the, the, our clients use it in a number of ways. First of all, they want to make sure they're at the right event. Do they go back to that event next time? They've been told by um, the event organizers that the footfall is going to be X amount of thousand or X amount of hundreds or whatever we want it to be. And they, they're expecting a certain percentage of those people to come by their stand. So if they don't, they, do we want to go back here next year? Or as if it's an event organizer, is your stand the right stand? Is it attracting people? So there's lots of different ways it can be used. And then um, we've got some brands that will actually change their stand overnight based on the information that we presented to them that, that evening. So there's, there's many ways that they're using it. And then if they've got multiple events, so we do a lot of touring events with uh, car brands and FMCG, and they can compare those different locations. So they might go to Coventry, they might go to Leicester, they might go to Birmingham, they might go to London. Where are they getting the best footfall? Do they go back to that area next time? Was it terrible footfall in that one or was it good footfall? Or it might be fantastic footfall, but the dwell wasn't very much. People just walked straight past and didn't spend there. Mm. So they can use all that data and work on it and make their event better for next time. And, and I mean, the, this instinctively seems to have obvious applications in a number of different scenarios, not just within the events industry. You know, you could see this working in things like retail, for example, you know, in, in, in major department stores or, or, or retail units where you want to see which areas of, of, of the shop are people engaging with, where are they buying from, where are they looking, what's, what's the most attractive point of sale area. But I suppose within an events world as well, when you're looking at a really, really raw basic data. Something like brand activation is, is presumably going to be a, a big player for this particular type of, of tech where, you know, you might have a major drinks brand or a sports company that physically just want as many people as possible to come to their brand activation zone, whether that be at a festival or in a shopping centre or in a town centre precinct. Yes, they, they, they do. And uh, we can help them uh, measure that success. There's so with, with brand activations, they'll have what we call brand ambassadors on those stands. And something that I talk to brands quite a bit about is you might have two different brand ambassadors. Let's call them Peter and Paul for the sake mm -hmm. of argument. Peter might be fantastic at pulling people onto the stand and Paul might be scaring people off. But they don't know that until they see our data. They might, mm. They'll see, actually, why at 2 o'clock, between 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock, was there nobody coming on the stand? But then 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock, lots of people came onto the stand. It might be a timing issue, but it might be a brand ambassador issue. And we have had scenarios where brand ambassadors have scared people off. It's quite and, amazing, really. And presumably then, because it spits out the data in such a way that you can see it, you know, chronologically, you can see exactly when the data was generated and where the peaks and where the troughs were and where that identifies in terms of um, other activity that might be going on in an area or the correlation between the staff and the rotors and when people were working and what they were doing at certain times. Yes, yeah, it's, it's an easy to read format on our website. So at the end, they get some live data, but then the most, most of our clients read the data at the end of the day. So the, the event finishes at five o'clock, depending on the size of it, typically it's available between six and 8pm. 
So we have to process all that data and present it back in a nice readable format on the website. They can download it in different formats. We also have an API, so some of our clients use the API and pull the data straight into their platforms. Now, presumably, I, I, I'm going to be sort of careful how I word this, you, the ability to see sort of very, very clearly how many people have come into a particular zone, whether that be a trade stand or a retail point or a brand activation area, makes it very, very easy by the sounds of things for a, a client of yours to be able to identify in a simplest form whether or not it was a success or not. And if, if their criteria is physical footfall, how many people came and how long did they stay for? And that's their simple criteria. It's going to be very simple to actually measure that. Two questions. How were they doing that before this sort of technology came along and were they able to do that? And secondly, has the data that you generate actually flagged up negatives at all? Because you mentioned that trade exhibition stand clients can actually see whether or not the organizers were, were true to their word in terms of how many people came through the door yes um let, let's just go through the, the trade one first of all then yes um we, we've had examples where um the trade stand's been in the wrong area mm -hmm. or in the back of a um an exhibition and not had much footfall but you you take that space knowing what to expect the first question remind me of that first question again the first question was how do people do it before because ah, you know, this is such yeah. a black and white statistic how many yeah. people visited my stand how were we doing it before so um two ways one yes and uh, oh i reckon it was quite busy today let's say it's five thousand people or the other example is they use these sort of clickers click 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 so all they would count was footfall but that's down to a brand ambassador clicking and we all know that with these clickers they get a bit trigger happy sometimes you click 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 or sometimes they forget so you're not getting a true reading on that and as i've said the data that we present is fairly accurate it's it's nearly pinpoint accurate we'd never be 100 percent accurate and anyone who professes to be 100 percent accurate is wrong but we are as close as we can be to being accurate um what's what's been the uptake like and the response from i suppose your own clients but then the, then the wider industry because the, the downside to a lot of tech regardless of what it is and the argument that we've seen a lot in the industry over the last few years is is from a budget point of view people are, are understanding and and aware of what the different types of tech can do for them and the benefits that they could bring but the cost of actually deploying these while we're waiting on the cost of the tech coming down is that the budgets are not quite there to actually bring them in. Um, how have you found it in terms of presenting this solution to clients and, and, and how easy it is for them to, to manipulate the budget to deploy it? So when we deal with the brand directly, um, the brands get it, they want it, and they find the budget for it. If we're talking to them too late in the day, well, late in the day, um, they'll find the budget to deploy our service. Ideally, we want to be talking to somebody six to eight months before their event, Mm -hmm. and the budget is, is put in place for us. Um, with an agency, um, unfortunately, our budget gets cut quite quickly from agencies, and sometimes we get dropped. Um, and it's, it's, a compl it's a, not complicated, it's a difficult thing for us when we know that the brand wants it, but we're not put in front of the brand. It's the agency that we're dealing with, and they tend to be a blocker, but they have the... Um, they have the concerns over the budget that they have to manage and the brands are quite strict on the agencies on the budget. So I can understand where the agency coming from. I just find it frustrating when we know that our service delivers that information to them. 
sure i i i i i i get that and um as you said agencies are ultimately tasked with um with controlling the budgets and, and delivering the best possible event you know within budget and and if at all possible under budget in order to deliver best value for money um it, it, i suppose it surprises me in a way why why people would not want to see very very clearly a, a black or white statistic as, as to whether or not a, a particular event has been a success is that without wanting to sort of set you up with a loaded question is 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 there a possibility that agencies could see a system like this and think actually if the statistics come back really low and it shows that the event hasn't been a success it doesn't reflect well on them yes is <laughs> the, the the short answer um, i'll try and expand on that yes some agencies will look at that there's we the agencies that engage with us tend to be forward thinking and they're looking at this from their point of view and from their client's point of view. We have some agencies that take our product on and pay for it themselves and present it back to the client and then the client takes it on and says, right, now we're going to charge you for this. So yes, it can show up the negative sides of their build if it is a negative side of the build, but it can also show up other factors. So weather can be a factor to okay. uh, a stand up performing and say, um, I think about four months ago, we introduced weather to the platform because whether it's an indoor event or an outdoor event, that has an effect on, weather has an effect on them. So there's all these factors. I remember an event we did, um, a big event for a major car brand and um, the, the agency came back to me. We did it two years in a row. The agency came back to me and said, Rob, I don't believe your figures. I said, why is that? He says, well, you know, last year we had 60,000 people. This year, so we've got 120,000 people what's happened and i said weather you know we didn't have weather on the platform this is the year before they closed the entrance gate by your stand so nobody would walk past your stand they were going in through other entrances because it was tipping down with rain this year glorious sunshine and if you looked at the figures as well it showed an enormously high dwell time in their stand because the people were taking cover from the rain the following year the dwell time was less but the footfall was a lot higher so yeah Weather was introduced to the platform to protect us and also to give information to our clients as well. When you say it was introduced to the platform, how does that manifest itself visually uh, uh, in terms of the data that it spits out the other end? So uh, along each day for the event, um, you'll get a breakdown of the weather. So hourly breakdown of what the weather's doing for that event. You can see the spikes and the troughs, uh, the peaks and the troughs in the uh, the footfall depending on the weather. So glorious sunshine, you know, it's a nice nice curve going up. Um, if it's raining, drops down. When you mentioned that um, that you've had clients who've actually been able to manipulate their area, whether that be a, an exhibition stand or otherwise, if they've got multiple you know, beacons or, or, or transmitters set up on them, and actually be able to change them overnight, depending on the statistics, how have the statistics uh, been analysed over longer periods of time? So have you got examples of clients who, who do certain types of event on a regular basis over a period of months and years where you've been able to look at historic data on this? Yes, we do. Uh, but the best way of the event comparison is if you've got a replica event. So we're doing um, a touring event. The second year we're doing this touring event at uh, brands. Well, it's uh, British Superbikes we're doing it at for mm -hmm. a car brand. And it's the second year we're doing it. So we can compare what the footfall is like year on year. And, you know, surprise, surprise, yet again, weather comes into it. When it's raining, footfall goes up, footfall goes down. Um, some of our clients 
um, when they're looking at the data. So the events we do tend to be the most, the longest event we do is probably 30 days because um, events don't tend to run that long. They're normally two or three days. It's a festival, it's mm -hmm. five days and things like that. So they, they will look at that data for day one, look at day two and see what's happening. What areas are people going to? There might be a particular um, way that they want people to go around the stand. So the stand builders, designers will design it in a particular way and say, right, are they going around that way? No, why not? Let's look at the data, see which way they are going, and then they can start yeah. pushing them around other ways. We do a, um, we have a, a live a retail application in uh, Napa Valley for Domain Chandon, the Champagne House. Okay, yeah. And um, they were interested in how people moved around from the tasting room to the shop and whether they made purchases. We couldn't tell them about the purchase side of it, which is the holy grail for most people in, in our industry. But what we could tell them was that they weren't actually going through the shop. So they could change the signage and push more people towards the shops. We have another system that was able to, to assist them with that as well. So they're moving people around. Uh, and this to me i mean uh, for a lot of uh, years now uh, crowd management companies at things like music events particularly will look at how people get into and out of any particular given area where the hot spots are where the pinch points are so it's not just in terms of of of, of dwell time and and interaction at things like brand events or trade exhibitions presumably this sort of system can be used in bigger areas to identify simple things like crowd movements yes yeah yeah so we we have um within the platform we have a number of uh, tabs on there one is heat map so it's a it's a graphical view of the density of populations in areas. So you can click play and it will play out throughout the day and you see how that heat map adjusts throughout the day depending on what's happening at that event. And then we have the flow, which, um, which shows how people move from one sensor to another. We don't know the precise route people took, but we know that we saw them on sensor A, then we saw on sensor B, and then sensor C. So you can see the routes that they're taking around the event. And that's in those hotspots and, and bottlenecks. And I suppose that's a bit almost like tr tracking a car through traffic cameras, isn't it? Being able to monitor the route by seeing which, which, which traffic cameras they've picked up on. If they're being picked up on beacon A, beacon B, and then beacon F, you can perhaps see which route you can then easily plot, presumably, where the, the route that people have taken. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. With the, the festival, for example, or a large-scale large, large scale event, yes, we can do that. Yeah, we can see the movements they take. And it's, it's valuable information for the brands. If you look at festivals, sponsors, sponsorship is big in festivals. And the brands and the, the, the event organizers can then start passing back information to their sponsors and say, right, well, you, know, you had 20,000 people walk past your stand in the last two hours. You had 5,000 people hanging around there for, for 10 minutes. So they're passing the information back because sponsors will want something back. They want footfall. Um, they'll... They'll measure the amount of goodie bags they give out, which, you know, we know that um, goodie bags they give out, not necessarily one per person. They could give out five to one person. So we can go out and get 10. With our system, we're counting unique visits. So the goodie bag counting is another way of people used to measure, which yes, is not, course, yeah. not a, um, a true reflection on the actual amount of footfall. Plus, you're not getting dwell either. So. Yeah, There's, we, we did an event in a festival uh, called Lollapalooza in America. Mm, yeah. We had two brands that we looked after. Um, one had um, an open-sided area. Yeah, we had one sensor on each, but they had an open-sided area, and um, yeah, people would just walk under the stand and, and uh, play around with technical devices. Another was a drinks brand, and they had a blacked-out tent uh, with uh, security guards standing out. 
And surprisingly enough, the footfall into the tent which blacked out windows and security guards wasn't very high. Because <laughs> young people at festivals don't really want to go near security guards. Uh, the open-sided uh, technology tent um, had a high footfall area, but, but uh, a low dwell time. And in the, the, the drinks uh, uh, blacked out tent, there was a higher uh, dwell time because they had free drinks in there and mm. banging DJs. And it was just depending on what different brands want. They were both right next to each other, but had totally different um, numbers correlating to what they did. And, and I guess it's important to stress here that, that, that it's not all about the physical numbers in terms of how many people have been to a particular location, because I know a number of different events that are quite happy to actually have lower audience numbers and lower footfall. What they're really, really interested in is being able to engage with the people that are there for a prolonged period of time, especially if they've got something quite complicated that they need to either demonstrate or explain if it's a message that takes a certain level and a certain period of interaction to get that message across rather than just handing out a leaflet or a flyer. It's not all about the actual total numbers of people that are there, but the dwell time, I suppose, is, is in many respects just as important. Yes, and every event is different. So we always ask our clients, what are your uh, KPIs? What are you looking for? What is it you need to achieve for this event? And we, we will monitor that for them. We have been asked, I remember one client came up to us and goes, um, it was year two of an event, she goes, the numbers have to be better than last year. I said, well, what do you mean they have to be better than last year? The numbers will be the numbers. Hmm. And um, she says, well, I've changed it around and I need to make sure it's better than last year. I said, well, I'm sure if you've done the right job, it will work. And fortunately, it did work. And uh, the numbers were better than last year. But, but I suppose the long and the short of that is if they weren't, at least he knows accurately in black and white whether they were or they weren't. Rather yes. than this whole, going back to, to, to what we said at the very beginning, which is this whole guesswork or analog way of doing it um you know you can see exactly how many people have got their devices switched on with wi-fi you yes. could therefore tell you tell your client how many uh, as a percentage of people you were able to track which in turn allows you to present very very sort of hard clean data yes yeah and um if it, it, it worked on that occasion so they can use that data to say right that didn't work this year we need to do something different um, it amazes me when we do um, when we do car stands that if they just have cars on their stands, <laughs> their footfall is not as great, and the dwell time is not as great unless they have an activity on it as well. Um, so experiential coming into exhibitions is working, and uh, we're seeing people, more people deliver that onto their stands at exhibitions as well. You mentioned during the podcast today, Rob, that um, that weather was something that was integrated into the system after its initial launch. So it wasn't always in there, but it was something that you brought into there. Um, yeah. How much feedback do you get from users in terms of new features they would like to see in there? And, um, and what is the sort of stuff that you're working on at the moment, if you can tell us? Yeah, um, a lot of the developments on the platform are based on what our clients ask us for. So we built a platform from the ground up. Um, and this is what we thought it should look like. And mm -hmm. uh, it's changed um, from when I look at the first event that we did to what we are, where we're at now. Um, it's changed a lot. So the statistics we present back and how we present that information. Um, we were giving them every five minutes the data and then we reduce, we'd increase that to every 10 minutes because they didn't need it every five minutes. So there's lots of things that we listen to the clients. Um, we have um, a mass import. So we have one client that does... Um, there's three, three events a day um, times seven. So 21 events a day they do with us. 
and to create the events it's a portal you have to go into and type those in it's quite time consuming so you have a mass upload form for them now so they can just click the button and it uploads it straight into the platform we're looking at social media integration as well because with brands um, agencies they're at an event they'll have a particular hashtag and think mm -hmm. right how are people talking about the brand so we can integrate that into the platform yes that information is available to them elsewhere but what we're trying to do is put it into one area for them to view it right so that's what we're working on at the moment and there's also other equipment that we look at as well so we have our hardware um, the sensors that we use but there's other um, sort of people counting sort of solutions out there that we want to integrate into our platform so if you're talking about a big event which um, has a mass of people that uh, go into one area at, at a time um, Wi-Fi tracking doesn't always work for that mm -hmm. um, so we've got some some new sensors we're bringing in which are overhead sort of cameras that will count people and do sort of not laser beam but it's sort of 3d camera imaging that it does so we're looking at um, we're evaluating those at the moment look to bring those into the platform one thing I should ask as, as we as we approach the end of, of today's episode um, is is how your system impacts on any temporary or permanent Wi-Fi and networking infrastructure that may be in any given space or venue because connectivity is such an important issue for event organizers now so if you take a, a, a standard sort of trade show type setup where you may have both a temporary and uh, a native Wi-Fi network within the venue. How does your hardware impact on there? It doesn't. Um, so uh, when we do overseas shows, uh, particularly in the Messers in uh, Germany, uh, one of the clear things that comes to say, well, what are you doing? We, our sensors just listen. They don't broadcast anything. So we have no effect on the Wi-Fi whatsoever, which is very important for um, venues to know that, that it doesn't affect them whatsoever. There's nothing at all to the Wi-Fi. And, and once uh, uh, the, the final question just about the setup on, on, a, on a logistical point of view is do you have somebody on site monitoring it or is it a case where these sensors can go in and then they will just generate the data and you can actually monitor it off site? We depends on the client. So, yes, the, everything can be done off site. We don't have to be involved. Uh, the majority of our clients will self install. If it's a big installation overseas, we'll tend to send somebody out there. But again, it depends on the client's budget because mm -hmm. sending people to a job is quite expensive so we've developed the product so that it is self-installed and it's literally a sensor can take three minutes to install that's it if our followers and people who are tuning into today's podcast want to find out more um tell us how they can how they can track you guys down yeah uh, we're exposureanalytics.com is uh, the best place and there's a, a, a contact us form you can contact us on there or they can contact me rob.murdoch at exposureanalytics.com and we'll Fantastic. be interested We've been uh, we've been talking on the podcast today uh, to uh, to Rob Murdoch. Rob is the founder of Exposure Analytics, and uh, the company, I suppose, um, it, it very very simply um, produces uh, and and supplies a system that allows organisers to look at uh, footfall at dwell times. They can do that using multiple different locations within one particular venue. And uh, as Rob says, if you want to find out more about what it is that they can do, and uh, and if you've got that little spark of imagination or that little light bulb moment listening to today's podcast where you think, actually, I think I could use that, get in touch with Rob and uh, I'm sure the guys over there can, uh, can help you out. The podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Engage, powered by D2I Systems, winner of Best Event Management Platform at the 2017 Event Technology Awards. And to learn how Engage can make your business more profitable, go over and visit d2isystems.com 
forward slash engage. Our thanks to uh, to Rob once again for joining the podcast. Your first time guest on the podcast, Rob. Thanks, uh, thanks very much for your time. It's good to have you on board. Thank you, James. It's been uh, very enjoyable. And, uh, and we will see you all on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. And once again, just a reminder, for those of you who have listened to the audio version of this, uh, of this podcast, earlier on in the episode, Rob did uh, hold up a, a couple of the, uh, the, the transmitters that he's been referencing throughout today's episode. So if you hop over to eventindustrynews.com, you can watch the video version of this podcast and see exactly what it was he was talking about. But thanks very much for tuning in and we'll see you all on the next edition. Thanks very much. Bye-bye.